What is going on, college basketball fans? Welcome to the first episode of the Danny Hoops podcast. We are going to be doing this podcast every single Thursday night around 10 p.m. live. So if you guys are in here live, you guys can talk, uh, give me your guys' questions down in the chat, and I will answer them at the end of every podcast. I am going to be posting this podcast on Spotify and Apple podcast as well. So if you guys are listening on there, consider dropping by the YouTube channel at Dannyology and tune in live so then I can get your guys's questions. You guys can also tweet me questions on Thursdays on Twitter at Dannyology1. And I'm also always tweeting college basketball on Twitter as well. So definitely go give my Twitter a follow. So I'm ready to get right in to our podcast this week. So a lot of stuff to talk about. We are about four weeks into the season, and this is our episode one. But we are going to be, uh, you know, doing this a lot more often, like I said, every Thursday. So main takeaway I want to talk about today, though, is the game that just happened, and that was between the number seven team in the country, Creighton, going into the brand new Moody Center uh, to face the number two ranked Texas Longhorns. And what an interesting game, to say the least. Not a very offensive game, especially in the first half. Arthur Kaluma for Creighton, he was really good throughout the first half. Maybe one of the best halves of his of the of the season for him, really. But uh, not not very quiet in the second half. I was very impressed with Texas defensively. The Moody Center was rocking a lot like it was when Gonzaga came in there. And the Texas Longhorns, they remain undefeated. So they're both their tough games that were in the Moody Center. I'm, I'm interested to see this Texas team play a true road game uh, against a top-tier team. They don't for a while. I know that, but... We're going to find more and more about this Texas team. We're going to talk about them later because at the end of the podcast, before with the questions, I am going to give you guys my top AP player of the year contenders and my top national championship contenders. And I'm going to give you guys those every single week at the end of the podcast. So you guys can have a little bit of update on who I think are are looking like national championship contenders at this point and also the AP national player of the year. So, the, the big story from this Creighton-Texas game was Creighton's massive shooting slump. They shot, I think by the end of it, like three for 25 from three-point range. Baylor Shireman, their star small forward, who is a really good shooter shooting above 40% from behind the arc throughout the season, was 0 for 9 from three-point range until the end where, when he started to pick up heat. The crazy thing is they were shooting. They've only made one three and there's only three minutes left in the game. And they're still in the game making a push on the road against the number two team in the country to try to win the game. So Texas did end up surviving. They survived Creighton's last stitch effort there because they were closing in on that gap. But I think this shows us, tells us a lot about this Creighton team, and it tells us a lot about this Texas team. It shows me that this Creighton team, even without a bench, is still a very, very good team. Like um, with their starting five alone, going into that and shooting so bad, and still being in the game and having chances to win, I, I, I think that's very impressive. And, and I think on a better night they can definitely compete with Texas, uh, especially on a neutral-sided court. I was very impressed with Marcus Carr on Texas. Tyrese Hunter, of course, he's all, he's always awesome. But I think the, the big deal-breaker for Texas as far as national championship contenders is Dylan Mitchell and Timmy Allen. Timmy Allen has been great. Um, before he transferred there to Texas, he was a big-time scorer. Um, but really, the past... This past this season, he he kind of took a, a step back. You know, he he's letting Tyrese Hunter, Marcus Carr, these guys kind of be the main scorers on the team. But I think whenever they need a bucket, they need to be re, be able to rely on Timmy Allen as well, especially especially down low. So I think that's a big key for this Texas team. If they can get Timmy Allen going as well, then then that's going to be huge. And, and also Dylan Mitchell, he's a freshman. He's going to improve. 
uh, throughout the season. So, so I'm, I'm very excited about him as well. He, he was a top 10 prospect coming into the season, still a freshman, still young. He's going to grow throughout the season. Those are big, uh, big deal breakers there for Texas as far as how far they can go in March. Um, as far as Creighton, Ryan Nimhard, this guy is absolute stud um, on offense, driving to the rack for, for being, you know, he's not that tall of a guy. And the way he's finishing around the hoop, so acrobatic, finding ways to get a shot, um, it, it's kind of unique. You know, he drives and he can shoot layups off the wrong foot you, with contacts, just acrobatic st type stuff. Really good, super good passer. Him and Baylor Shyman, really good passers. And, and that really helps this Creighton team. So for a Creighton team that is, you know, one of the better shooting team one of the better offensive teams in the country to be shooting so bad and playing so bad throughout this game and still having a shot at, to win it at the end against the number two team in the country I think that that's very impressive I still think Creighton uh you know they can build off this they get they need some bounce back wins but still a top 10 team in the country no doubt uh at least in my opinion so Let's move on to our next topic because the title of this podcast is called What We've Learned from Feast Week. So we're going to kind of talk about some of the main topics that kind of stuck out to me throughout Feast Week and, and throughout this week as well. We got to see half of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, half of the uh, Big 12 Big East Challenge. There's still more of those games to come. But the biggest thing that stuck out to me is how surprisingly good the Big Ten Conference is. I mean, right now I see nine, possibly even ten tournament teams from the Big Ten Conference. I mean, they might be the best conference right now in college basketball, and I know that's a big stretch because over the past few years, they have not performed whenever it got down to it in March. The top teams from the Big Ten Conference just have not performed. They've been getting upset. Top seeds, like two seed, three seeds, just getting upset in March Madness from the Big Ten Conference. So it, it's hard to trust that, but I do think that there are nine or ten solid Big Ten teams that will make the tournament this season, those being Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, and Michigan State. Those nine, I feel really good about making the tournament. I say maybe 10 because Penn State or Rutgers, they both have looked pretty decent, but I'm not quite sure they're tournament-level teams. I think Penn State and Rutgers are both going to be type bubble-type teams. Uh, but either way, Nine teams out of 12 making the tournament, very, very impressive. Uh, the Big Ten looks really, really good. And I want to talk about Purdue because Purdue right now in my power rankings are the number one team in the country, and, and they're top 10 for pretty much anyone you would ask right now. They went on an insane run in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament and ended up winning the entire thing. And I think I heard somebody say, like, the last 10 champions, maybe even more, have won a early season invitational tournament. So, so maybe something to keep an eye out there because, you know, Purdue did beat Duke and Gonzaga throughout that run and, and probably have the most impressive resume so far, if you want to talk about the resumes of any team in the country. I mean, how can you stop this guy, Zach Eady? He is literally the second coming of Yao Ming, the Yao Ming of college basketball. He's a seven foot four. 300 pounder almost. I mean, I know he's listed at like 280 or something like that, but I think he might be 300 pounds. We can just round it up there because he is a big boy and, and he he's, he's hard to stop. I mean, it was hard for Drew Temme couldn't even kind of stop him. My guy at West Virginia, Jimmy Bell was kind of getting, you know, a stop here and there, but even though he was playing him super aggressive, which is kind of what you have to do against Sakiti. He was getting foul calls, and he was nailing shots at the foul line. That is something he can do. So you can't hack a shack him. He can knock down his free throws, and he's got some great uh, great supporting cast around him. Fletcher Loiner, Braden Smith. There's some solid guys off the bench. This Purdue team's 
pretty deep. And, and I like the way Matt Painter kind of substitutes out Zach Eady. Like he knows when to stick him in there, when to take him out. Uh, Matt Painter is a really good under underrated coach. And, and this Purdue team, what, what was supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year after Jaden Ivey, Travion Williams left this team is turning into a year, maybe they're even better than last year's squad. Um, so this is all going into the topic of how surprisingly good I think the Big Ten has been because preseason, when we were talking about the Big Ten Conference for college basketball, it we just thought, okay, a lot of stars, you know, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, um, Jaden Ivey, uh, you name it, lots of stars here from the Big Ten Conference moving on to the NBA or graduating. Um, Keegan Murray at Iowa, uh, just some that are coming to my mind. There are a bunch more for sure. EJ Liddell at Ohio State, they keep coming to mind. But we thought, you know, all these stars exiting the conference, moving on to the NBA or whatever they're moving on to, the Big Ten's going to have a setback. They might be one of the worst conferences in the league. Still maybe better than the Pac-12 because Pac-12, you know, not very deep conference over there. But they have shown to be, especially with some of the Big 12 struggles recently, other than Texas, the top of the Big 12 has kind of been struggling. Um, the Big Ten might might be considered one of the best conferences. We'll see how they do in March. But this conference runs deep, and with Indiana's win – over North Carolina last night, um, you really got to consider because the way that Indiana team was playing defensively last night in Assembly Hall, I mean, they they were really locking down this entire North Carolina team and forcing turnovers. If we can get that Indiana team defensively, they're going to be very tough to start and we stop. And, and, and we talked about Zach Eady being unstoppable. I mean, they were, even with Armando Baycott in the game, they were trying to double trace Jackson, uh, trace Jackson Davis. I mean, dude is a beast. He misses in the post. He gets his own board and he dunks it on your head. This guy is a stud. He's a great passer out of the post. Xavier Johnson has improved a lot since last season. I really like this Indiana team. I think they are living up to the hype. I'm really interested to see some of your guys' opinions on if you think, uh, you know, this Indiana team is living up to the hype because I believe they are. You know, the good win over Xavier on the road, tough road win. And I know Xavier kind of lost against any type of good team, but they also played Gonzaga close. They played Duke close. Um, Xavier is a solid squad there, and, and it's a tough environment over there in Cincinnati. So, I think this Indiana team is for real big win against North Carolina. And, and I, I think, I, I think they're truly living up to the hype and I'm very, very much looking forward to watching them play more. Also Illinois, Illinois and Terrence Shannon jr. They have been very impressive so far this year, clear tournament team there. Maryland is undefeated. They play Illinois actually tomorrow uh, on Friday, December 2nd, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that early Big Ten matchup between Illinois and Maryland. I think that it's going to be really fun, uh, and we're, we're going to learn a lot about Kevin Willard's Maryland Terps team here real soon because they haven't really had too much competition so far. They have some decent wins, some wins over Power 5 opponents, but no, no ranked team, no team like Illinois have they seen yet. Also, you got other teams like Ohio State, yeah, they lost to Duke, but I still think that they're a lower seed tournament team. I think they're going to get in. Iowa, Chris Murray, most improved player for sure. I mean, he looks like his brother Keegan Murray from last year. It's really like they they left one left, the other one came in. He dropped 30 points and 20 rebounds a few days ago against Georgia Tech. That is a power five opponent, and you are dropping 30 and 20. I'm as a forward. I mean, I I was so impressed. Chris Murray had has been very very impressive in this Iowa team. Definitely a tournament team. Wisconsin. Wisconsin was a team who lost Johnny Davis, lost a few other pieces. I, I didn't think that they would be. I, I mean, maybe you know a bubble team, but I think they're looking like they're going to be a lock for the tournament. Um, 
wall. Their forward is a mismatch problem. Uh, they play very good defense. I think Greg Gard up there, he, he definitely deserves a, a lot of props because he is a very underrated coach in college basketball. They're coaching for uh, Wisconsin, and, and I, I think they're a lock to make the tournament as well. Um, Michigan, Michigan just got done. Uh, they lost to Virginia and we're going to talk about Virginia later sneak peek to the end where we're going to be talking about our national championship contenders, but Michigan was in that game. Uh, Juwan Howard's son, the freshman star jet Howard has been looking very good so far for Michigan. And I think he's going to improve throughout the season as well. Of course, they got the big dude, Hunter Dickinson down there as well. I think at the very least, you know, they're going to get a lower seed in the tournament, kind of like last year. And usually they make a run in the tournament. So you got to look out for Michigan, Michigan state. How about the Spartans, man? They got some good wins, probably considered quad one wins already this season lost by one point. Um, on the Navy ship there to Gonzaga in a close one. Got a big win over Kentucky, a Kentucky team who I think, don't know for sure, but will improve throughout the season and, and show to be a better team uh, and a good win there for Michigan State. Struggles as of late, I will admit. They just lost to Notre Dame last night, but I still think this Michigan State team is probably a tournament-level team for sure, and you never can count out Coach Tom Izzo. Uh, Joey Hauser looks like the guy there in Malik Hall. Uh, if they can get them going, definitely look out for Sparty. Um, other than that, Penn State and Rutgers. I think Penn State really needed that win where they lost, I think, was it double overtime or triple overtime against Clemson the other night? I think it, that road win right there would have gone a long way. That non-conference road win against a Power 5 opponent would have definitely gone a long way for Penn State as far as making the tournament. Um, Rutgers, Rutgers, you know they might have a chance. You know they're bringing back a really good defender in Caleb McConnell who feels like he's been playing forever now. Um, and, and they also got uh, their center who, who, who is really good and underrated down low. So I think Rutgers could be a bubble team. Definitely look out for them. So possibly uh, 10 teams out of the big 10 making, uh, making it to the big dance. And I, I think that's very impressive considering what me and, and a lot of people consider the big 10 to maybe supposedly going to have a bad, uh, a down year this season. So, my, my next topic, we talked about Indiana and their big win over North Carolina. Let's, let's take a look at the flip side of things. We talked about the good teams, teams that have really impressed me thus far this season. Let's talk about some of the teams having struggles that, that we kind of didn't expect. And a lot of those teams happen to be some blue blood schools. And, and first, let's talk about the team that did lose to Indiana last night, uh, North Carolina, because that was their third loss already on the season out of only eight games. The team that was the consensus for most people to be the preseason number one team in the country is already five and three on the year with their best win being against the College of Charleston, which I will say is a really good team. Uh, but that being their best win as the preseason number one team coming in, almost like considered to be the, the number one team by everyone, you, it's very disappointing. And, and this reminds me almost of UCLA last year. UCLA in uh, 2020 made it to the final four from the 11 seed with Johnny Davis. They had a lot of preseason hype coming into the next year. A lot of people thought they should be the number one team coming in because they were returning a lot of the players from that final four team, although they were 11 and 11 seed and weren't all too special throughout the season. Uh, UCLA was still considered to be one of the best teams in the country coming in that year. They ended up, they, they did struggle throughout the season that next year, but they did end up a four seed, which is what I'm kind of expecting from this North Carolina team. Now I expect them to get things together and, and kind of start winning some games, still losing some. They're kind of in between the team we saw from the beginning of last year that was, you know, losing games by 20 plus, um, 
turned it around, and as an eight seed, made it to the national championship game and almost won it against a stacked Kansas team last year. Uh, to return as the number one favorite preseason, already dropping like down towards the bottom, if not out of my twenty top twenty five. Uh, North Carolina, I expect them to kind of pick things back up and be around a three to five seed or probably a four seed. I expect North Carolina to finish the season as a four seed heading into March and loss to Indiana, which, you know, you can kind of say, okay, Indiana, very tough atmosphere there in Assembly Hall. They got a solid team. They were playing great defense. Not your day. Okay. But then they lose a quadruple, a four overtime game to Alabama, and Alabama a solid squad as well. But I think North Carolina has the more talented team there, and definitely should have came away with a win there down the stretch. So, so that for me lets off some alarms, especially coming off uh, that Alabama game where they needed a win because the previous game before that. They lost to Iowa State, an Iowa State team. They got handled by UConn. And UConn, yeah, they gra- they were killing Iowa State on the boards. And Iowa State against uh, uh, North Carolina had this guy, Caleb Grill, go crazy just randomly for a game. And, and I know you can't really control that, but North Carolina still only put up only about 60 points in that game. So they need to score more with all the talent on this team. There's really no excuses with Armando Baycott being one of the best rebounders in the entire country, offensively and defensively. They should have killed Iowa State on the glass just the same way and dominated them just like UConn did the next uh, game. So North Carolina, big time struggles there, but I expect them to pick it around, pick pick it back up and, and turn things around and get up to around a four seed. I, I don't expect them to be a number one seed heading into March anymore from what I've seen so far. Uh, let me know what you guys think about that for sure. But I, yeah, I expect them to be around a three seed at the highest at this point. The other blue blood struggling team is Kentucky, and they have no good wins so far in this season. The only two pretty good teams, the only two good teams they played this far is Michigan State and Gonzaga, and they lost both of them. It wasn't even that close against Gonzaga. It did go to double overtime against Michigan State, but they were unable to close that one out. And to no fault of Oscar Shibway, who is putting up unbelievable numbers as he always does, but Are these teams just overrated? I think North Carolina, at this point, I can say North Carolina heading into this season was overrated. Um, Kentucky, I I think I could say the same thing. I know it's still early in the season, but at least slightly, they are slightly overrated for sure. This team, Carson Wallace, I think he has a lot of potential there. The freshman guard for Kentucky. I'm excited to see what he can improve on this year and how he can help this team going forward throughout the season. Cause I think he's going to be a big piece young guy, Jacob Toppin, Obi Toppin's brother. Um, I think that he needs to improve a little bit throughout the season as well. Shavir Wheeler, he needs to be a big piece for this team. This team is very talented and it brings up the question for me is coach John Calipari the problem um, last season, especially after the loss to St. Peter's 15 seed beating Kentucky Wildcats, who were a two seed in the first round, brought up a lot of questions. And I've been seeing from Kentucky fans really over the past few seasons that John Calipari is coaching, you know, to get players to the NBA, which is fine. He gets the big recruits, but he's not really competing for national championships. Their last one came with Anthony Davis. Um, Back in 2012, I mean, it's been a while since they were able to to get back to the national championship and win it. Or and, and it's just, I, is John Calipari the problem? I mean, from Kentucky fans especially, do you want your program to be, you know, just kind of like a preparation for the draft? Or do you want it to be, for winning national championships. Um, I think it could be both. 
I mean, you look at North Carolina, a ton of, of guys who are going to be uh, high draft prospects on that team still competing for national champions championships. I mean, I think you can have both. I think Kentucky, especially with a guy like Oscar Shibway, who on NBA standards is not the NBA type of build that they want to have there uh, in the league uh, for the team. You know, he can't shoot the three ball, stuff like that, but he is dominant in college. That is the type of guy, you know, you would want to build a national championship team around for college. He's coming back for his senior year and, and he's wanting to win. You know, that is what he's there to do. So that brings up the question, uh, is John Calipari the problem? I think it might be a coaching issue there in Kentucky. Like I said, they are three and two on the season. They were struggling against Bellarmine college last night and, and we're actually losing up until, uh, about halfway through, or at least a quarter of the way through that second half there against Bellarmine. And yes, definitely some question marks there. Uh, as far as Duke, they, they have a couple losses on the season already, uh, but I'm not too worried about the Duke Blue Devils. I think they just have a lot of young guys on their team. First year coach in John Shire. I think that they are going to be improving throughout the year. They just got a big ranked win against Ohio State the other night. And like I said, some freshmen on their team. Kyle Flapowski has been nothing but outstanding so far. Jeremy Roach, a veteran point guard, has been very good so far this season. But they have had some injuries with their young players and Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively. And I think those two players who have the potential to be maybe their two best players when they are fully 100% and can get fully going in the college game. So I look for them to players specifically uh, to improve a lot and help this Duke team uh, improve as well. I think Duke could easily still get up to around a two or a three seed by the end of the season. So now let's start moving in to uh, some of the quick other teams that have really impressed me so far throughout Feast Week. And then we are going to get to my top AP Player of the Year contenders and my top national championship contenders. And after we get through those, I will take your guys' questions in the chat and we will talk about them here on the first episode of the Danny Hoops podcast. Very excited to keep continuing to do this podcast every Thursday. Uh, I love college basketball, and I'm, I'm very happy it's back. So some of the other teams that have really impressed me throughout the tournaments, one of them uh, being the Virginia Cavaliers, just picked up a big win against uh, Michigan on the road. And, you know, a tight game. They were losing a little bit throughout that game, but able to close it out. I think that that is so impressive. They're such a well-coached team, a veteran team, a lot of good forwards. They, uh, you know, weren't playing their best throughout that game defensively, but this team is one of the more elite defensive teams in the country, maybe the most elite defensive team in the country. And I think Virginia has a lot of potential. We'll get to them later on in uh, the national championship contenders portion of this podcast. But Virginia really impressed me beating UCLA or no, not UCLA beating Illinois and Baylor in the same tournament. Very, very impressive wins there. Also, Arizona. Arizona has impressed me a lot. I actually need to get a score update on that game because they were losing to Utah. But I, I have been very impressed with Arizona throughout this year. Got a neutral site win over this really good Creighton team, which I think is more impressive than the uh, win in the Moody Center against Creighton. And as I'm saying this right now, we have a live podcast alert, upset alert, as Utah is defeating Arizona 81 to 66 with 18 seconds left in the game. So Utah will defeat the number four team in the country, Arizona, and upset them. Definitely have to take a deeper look into that game later on. So Utah really impressed me during Feast Week. 
which is what I was going to get into. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, just big loss there to the Utah Utes. So uh, that took a turn really quickly. Um, Texas, Texas big win tonight. We talked about them earlier. Again, we're going to get to them really, really soon. Even though Creighton did lose to Texas and to Arizona, I've been very, very impressed with their performance. Uh, they're in their Feast Week tournament, looking like one of the best offenses in the country, looking like the maybe the best starting five in the country now that um, North Carolina has for sure had some struggles so far this season. Uh, so yeah, very impressive wins there. Also, quick honorable mention for uh, Feast Week, uh, Maryland. How about Maryland? Maryland won their early season tournament and first season under head coach Kevin Willard, uh, a guy who got replaced there at Seton Hall by Shaheen Holloway doing some turn looking to be a good, a really good hire there for the Maryland Terps. So now let's get into my AP player of the year contenders. So far, usually I'm going to give you guys about five to six players. And for my national championship contenders, I'm going to give you guys my top three national championship contenders every week at the end of these podcasts. So for the AP player of the year, I think uh, I have eight names written down right here and to, to narrow it down to five or six is going to be pretty tough. So I'm going to have about five or six with some honorable mentions as well. But the first guy I wrote down on my list is Zach Eady. Zach Eady, how can he not be considered for national player of the year at this point? I mean, he is dominating the game. Nobody in college can really stop him. Like I said, a lot of people are calling him the Yao Ming of college basketball. I mean, he is doing things, you know, he can be like a type, a Shaq type dominant in college basketball. I mean, it is crazy. He has a ton of potential to be an unstoppable force in college basketball, whereas he would 100% deserve the AP player of the year. He is my number one name I have written down here on my list. Next up, I do have Jalen Wilson. I don't know if Jalen Wilson is going to stay on this list. I do expect him to put up a lot of numbers, but I, I don't know if he he's going to win the AP player of the year. This Kansas team, you know, I'm trying to get a hold of, uh, get, get a grasp of this Kansas team. I don't think they're as good as last year's national championship Kansas team. I do still think they are for sure a, a top team in the country. But I, I definitely think that Jalen Wilson, with the numbers he's been putting up, uh, deserves a spot on uh, these AP player of the year contenders at this point. Another guy I've written down, Terrence Shannon Jr. for the Illinois Fighting Illini. This guy has been putting up tremendous numbers so far this year. Very much improved on his three-point shot heading into this season, hitting a ton of threes. And I have been very impressed with him. And I think he can lead this Illinois team to some really, really great team uh, great things this season. And yes, very excited to see what he does more throughout the season. Fourth guy I have written down is Jordan Jelly Walker from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. I'm actually going to get the chance to go watch him play here in Morgantown against my West Virginia Mountaineers. And I'm very excited for that game because UAB has shown to be Last year and this year, well, last year they were a 12 seed in the tournament. Uh, very good mid-major program there. Uh, but this year, showing to be maybe the best mid-major uh, team in the country. You could argue Dayton, who has had their struggles early in the year. San Diego State, definitely in that conversation. But UAB, very, very solid team. They got a good transfer from LSU to pair alongside Jordan Jelly Walker. Very excited to get to see him play, but he is the leading scorer in the country at this time, averaging over 25 points per game for the Blazers. Definitely has to be a contender for the National Player of the Year at this point. And my fifth guy, I have three more names Actually, I do have four name, more names written on this list. Uh, 
but I think the last two that I am going to go with first off is Adoma Sanogo from Yukon. I think this guy definitely de- de- deserves some uh does deserves some recognition because he has been a beast for this Yukon team. I, I don't think that he is going to win the AP player of the year, even if Yukon ends up you know, winning the Big East Conference over Creighton and and turns out to be a top seed in the tournament because this UConn team is probably the deepest team in the country. So I I, I do worry about that, but I do think it doesn't take anything away from him as a player. I just don't think that he is going to win the award, but definitely deserves some recognition at this point in the season for being one of the top players in the country. Great centers all across the boards here uh, for the Player of the Year contenders. And the last guy I am going to mention here is from the Big Ten Conference and a guy who I said earlier put up 30 and 20 in a game against Georgia Tech this week, and that is Chris Murray for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I think he deserves some recognition. I know they just lost to uh, TCU, uh, but Iowa, you know, if they can end up doing some pretty good things here whenever we get into Big Ten play, and he is putting up the same amount, same type of numbers that he is right now, uh, I would be very impressed, and I I definitely think he deserves a shout-out. Some of the honorable mentions I have written down, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, big game against North Carolina. Yesterday, he was a dominant force. I think he is going to be uh, a problem all year long, so definitely keep an eye out for him. Another name I have written down here, Oscar Shibwe. Uh, still, you know, even with the Kentucky struggles, putting up 20 and 15 on a nightly basis, uh, the reigning AP player of the year from last year, definitely have to keep an eye out on him. So now, national chan- championship contenders portion of this podcast, which we will be doing every single week. Uh, I'm going to give you guys my top three national championship contenders as of right now. And my number one national championship contender from what I've seen so far this season is Virginia. I, I have Virginia as, you know, they're not my number one in my power rankings right now. But if I were to bet on a team to win the national championship right now, I think I would go Virginia. So Virginia is my number one national championship contender right now. The defense, the coaching by Tony Bennett, um, the veterans across the board, deep team. Uh, I just love everything about this Virginia team. And going into Michigan and a game where they're struggling a little bit defensively uh, throughout the game and uh, had to come back really facing adversity in a tough environment in Ann Arby in Ann Arbor, I think was a very impressive win and to win an early season tournament against Baylor, Illinois, and UCLA in the same tournament, getting those two big wins over Illinois and Baylor at a neutral site. I think all three of those wins, huge wins for the Cavaliers so far this season and a coach that has proven he can win a national championship with a team. It's very similar to the one he's got now. So I, very impressive uh, start to the season for the Cavaliers are my number one national championship contender at this point. My number two contender at this point is Texas. The Texas Longhorns have been really, really impressive for me thus far this year. They just got a big win over Creighton. You know, not the best win by them. Uh, best game played by them, but still able to come away with that win. A game where Creighton was very much struggling from behind the arc and really just across the board offensively. What does that do to the environment in the Moody Center or are Texas just a really good defensive team? I think maybe a little bit of both. I mean, this is a Chris Beard team, so you know they're going to be disciplined on defense. Um, Like I said, I think Chris Beard... Excellent coach. They got athletes. They have the star power. I think Marcus Carr took a big jump this season. And I also think Tyrese Hunter, uh, looking like he might turn out to be the best one, one, definitely one of the best transfer portal gets this season, especially because they stole them from a, a league, uh, 
a team in their league in Iowa State. I think that that was a big get for this Texas team. So very impressive there to get Tyrese Hunter, Marcus Carr, one of the best backcourts in the country. So Texas is my number two behind Virginia as far as national championship contenders. I think their potential is still more than what it is. Even with a blowout win over Gonzaga and a win over Creighton, two top teams in the country, both coming at home, though, in a great environment. I, th- I think I need to see them play some road games still and, and get some tough road games there in a tough Big 12 conference. But I think their potential lies in Timmy Allen stepping up a little bit more. I think if they can get some more buckets out of Timmy Allen down low, that is only going to open up more opportunities for Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter behind the arc. And, and I think that that is going to be very valuable and also Dylan Mitchell, the freshman. I think a lot of their potential for how far they go this season has to do with Dylan Mitchell. I believe he is the X factor for this Longhorn team. He showed a lot of potential in this Creighton game. Very, very athletic. Um, And you know, Chris Beard, he's really good at coaching athletes like he did at Texas Tech. So I think Dylan Mitchell defensively and offensively has a ton of potential and, and he could take he could help lead uh this Texas team very far. I, I don't know if he'll be the leader because you know there are other stars on this team, but if he can break out, it will be a big piece for how far they can go. Dylan Mitchell, not the best shooter from behind the arc at all, but ton of potential there in Austin. And my third and final national championship contender at this point in the season is the Houston Cougars. The reason they are number three is because, you know, they haven't really played anyone all too great so far this season. We are going to get to see them play some some better teams here soon, but I I think Houston is going to have a very good record at the end of the season. I do think that they are probably going to end up getting a, a one seed or two seed at minimum by the end of the year because they do play in an AC, a in an AAC conference that you know is not that great. You know Memphis is in there. I think Memphis is a tournament team. Other than that, not many tournament teams going to come out of the AAC conference. So they're going to be able to have a really good record by the end of the year. And I think Houston is going to be a top seed. They're going to have a lot of potential to go far. Great defense there, great athletes. And again, the coaching is so, so important. And head coach Kelvin Sampson, very underrated head coach there for the Houston Cougars. And uh, definitely up there. The only reason they are number three is because uh, they have not really played anyone. They did get a win on the road at Oregon, but Oregon has shown to be not that great. Uh, a lot like Texas is potential in a freshman in Dylan Mitchell. I do think Houston is a little bit similar. Um, I think they have some veteran guards there with Sheed and, of course, Marcus Sasser. Very solid team, very lengthy, athletic, defensive, defensive, very stingy on defense. Uh, great team there. But their freshman star, Jarris Walker, starting center, I think can be can improve throughout the season and, and be an absolute star by the time we get around to March Madness. So definitely keep an eye on Jarris Walker for the Houston Cougars. Houston also has a few bench pieces that I think are going to improve throughout the season. They do have this one guy, uh, can't quite put my finger on his name, but uh, he comes off the bench. He is a freshman as well. I think if he can improve throughout the season as well, can help this Houston team go far. So my national championship contenders, my top three at this point in the season, we have Virginia, number one, Texas Longhorns, number two, and the Houston Cougars as number three. Honorable mentions, we have Purdue, Indiana, Creighton, Yukon, and Arizona, all teams to look out for this year and that may, may just sniff my list in next week's podcast. So I hope you guys enjoyed that portion of the podcast. We will be doing this every single week. And at this point in time, do we have any questions in the chat before we head out of here? Definitely let me know. Ooh, I cannot 
cannot believe Arizona lost to Utah. Crazy, crazy upset. And uh, honestly, can't believe it. Fieldhouse beating Seton Hall by 21 with seven minutes to go in that one. A couple score updates. We got a question coming in here from huge Duke fan for life. So he says, who is my top freshman so far? And I'm happy you brought this up because I do actually have a video of my top five freshmen in college basketball so far coming out here very soon. But I would say my top freshman in the country at this point in the season has to be Brandon Miller for the Alabama Crimson Tide. The dude honestly was not on my radar um, preseason but Brandon Miller has been killing it there for the Tide. They got a big win over North Carolina. Uh, still, uh, Alabama, no, they did lose to UConn, so they aren't undefeated. But, you know, still a guy who is going to have to improve to show up in those huge games. But he is going to have plenty of opportunities to do that throughout conference play in the SEC. So Brandon Miller, I've got to give the nod to. So far, some other mentions, um, Anthony Black for Arkansas. He really broke out in the Maui Jim Maui tournament. Uh, definitely keep an eye out on him. He, you know, wasn't putting up the best numbers early in the season, but now looks to be an absolute superstar. Um, Nick Smith Jr. And yet to play there for Arkansas, but he's another guy. Uh, can't put him on that list so far because he hasn't played uh, other than one game where he barely played. Uh, and another guy, a guy for Duke, uh, Kyle Flipowski, has, has been a stud there for the Blue Devils down low. And when Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead get going as well, Kyle Flipowski, surprisingly, on a team where Duke got a lot of top freshmen, uh, Kyle Flipowski looking like the guy who has been the best guy so far by far. I mean, he, he's putting up some insane numbers and doing some good things there at Duke. There are some other freshmen. Uh, I'm going to talk about it in my video coming out very soon. We got another question coming in here from just Jalen. He says, what do you think is the biggest reason for North Carolina's biggest struggles? Um, hard to say. Um, they kind of look like an in-between version of last year's. North Carolina team, you know, like early in the season last year, they, 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 they didn't look too good. You know, they finished the season as an eight seed and they look like an in-between version of that bad team early from last year. And the insanely good team that we saw in March madness. So I think they're kind of at an in-between point there. I, I do think that Pete Nance actually plays better at the center position which causes, you know, some some coaching decisions there for Hubert Davis. I, th I think maybe starting Puff Johnson at the four, Armando Baycott at the five, and having Pete Nance come off the bench at the center position could very possibly be the best move for this North Carolina team. Uh i uh, very interested to see if that move ever gets made or if Pete Nance just needs to, you know, kind of find his role there for North Carolina. I I do think that um, Armando Baycott and this team definitely needs to be better defensively as well. But we'll see if they can pick it up and, and live up to that number one team in the country hype that we had um, preseason. Like I said earlier, I do think they, they probably will finish the season around a four a, a four seed in March Madness. I, th I think they're going to get around to, to that point, but I don't know if they're going to get up to uh, a one or a two seed. Next question coming in here from Gary Patterson, a.k.a. GL Pat, my man. He says, who will your one seeds be in the big dance? If I had to predict my one seeds so far, um, if I had to pick one seeds right now, I would go Virginia, Purdue, Texas, and let me see here. Definitely those three. 
I could give it to Houston. I would say Arizona, but they just lost to Utah. I would I would probably give it to Houston as well. So give me Virginia, Houston, uh, Purdue, and um, Texas. Those would be my four one seeds uh, as of right now in the season. Um, next question, another one coming in here from Duke Fan for Life. He says, "Who are some coaches?" I think are on the hot seat. Okay, so definitely got to consider what's his name over there for the California Golden Bears, right? Um, I can't even think of his name right now, but he has been so bad for so long. It's almost like he's immortal. Like he's immortal from getting fired. I don't know. The Cal Golden Bears have a good history. You know, you got to go pretty far into history, but they do have a good uh, basketball history in their program. Uh, I think they, I don't think California has won a game so far this year and definitely a guy I believe should be on the hot seat. Another guy who as a WVU fan, I really hope doesn't get fired, but that is Jeff Capel at, uh, the university of Pittsburgh. Um, they did get a win, a, a 20 point road win over Northwestern, which, you know, might help his case to staying hired. Um, I hope he stays hired, but I do think that he deserves to be fired. He has been pretty bad there at Pitt for years. I don't think his teams have ever beat West Virginia in the backyard brawl. We beat them on the road by over 20 points this season. Jeff Capel, who had a lot of hype after being an assistant there for Coach K at Duke whenever he took the Pitt job, uh, definitely... I think deserves to be fired. Um, Louisville has been terrible this year, but they just brought in a new guy. Like uh, my top two would definitely be the coach for the Cal bears. Can't think of his name at the moment, but then definitely Jeff Capel at Pitt. Uh, Another question coming in here from my man, Jalen. He says, what's stopping you from thinking Illinois can be a title contender? You know, um, I, w- I wouldn't say that. I-, I definitely think they could probably be a title contender. I- I'd probably put them as-, as a Final Four contender as of right now. I just don't think I could put them above the three teams I have as title contenders right now. Um, I-, I definitely think that they could get to that point. They have a superstar on their team in Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, they have Michael Mayer. Uh, the transfer from Baylor who has won a national championship with the bears who I think could, you know, he, he hasn't been all too great so far this season, but I think he could be a big piece there. I also think that sky Clark definitely needs to be improving as their starting point guard. Um, you know, he is a freshman and uh, like I said about a lot of other freshmen throughout this podcast, uh, I think that, um, you know, he definitely is going to have his opportunities to break out and be that guy for uh, for Illinois. So, And they got some good bench pieces there as well. I, I do like their center, Dane Danger. Uh, they do have uh, Coleman Hawkins there as well. And Coleman Hawkins, I'm a little bit iffy on. But then, you know, out of nowhere against, uh, who was that? Against Syracuse the other night, he had a triple-double. So Coleman Hawkins, you know, Maybe very underrated for Illinois, and this team looking to be pretty solid. So I'm keeping my eye out on Illinois, and and if they keep doing good things here, uh, definitely going to be a title contender for me. But we did get to see them against UCLA, get a big win against them, and uh, play a good game against Virginia, but Virginia ultimately beating them, which Virginia is my number one title contender right now. So not a bad loss at all. So I'll keep my eye out there for, for Illinois for sure. All right. We'll take a couple more questions here before we end episode one of the Danny hoops podcast, but really enjoyed this. Um, definitely continuing going to continue to do this every single Thursday night at 10 PM Eastern. So I appreciate you guys stopping by if you guys are listening to this podcast on just the voice version or the audio version on spotify and apple podcast definitely consider going over to youtube and typing in dannyology to watch the video portion 
of this podcast. And if you guys are in here live, I will take your questions at the end like I will every Thursday. So definitely consider doing that if you are listening to the audio portion, uh, subbing on YouTube. So a few more questions. We'll take these last two questions uh, before hopping out here. Another one here by Gary Patterson. He says, is there a team that can stop Texas? Um, Short answer would would be yes. I I definitely think Virginia. um, I think Creighton can hang in there with Texas, um, maybe on a neutral-sided court. but in a game where they're not shooting absolutely atrocious, like most of the game, they were shooting 5% from behind the arc. Um, I do think Creighton can keep up with them. I do think Virginia would be a really good matchup with Texas because they have so many great defensive guards uh, or great defense. Well, they do have great defensive guards too, but uh, great defensive forwards and guys who can score the ball. And they're so well coached. I think that that would be a really good matchup and, and a rematch of a coaching matchup in the 2019 championship where it was Chris Beard versus Tony Bennett. But that Chris Beard team was, of course, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, but yeah, I do think Virginia would be a team that can stop Texas. I, I think Houston could probably stop them. Um, it's it's hard to tell so far because Texas is um, they they haven't played any any road games really any true tough road games. So throughout the Big Twelve, we will find out. But yeah, I definitely think there are teams that that, that can stop Texas, but definitely a top. Uh, national championship contender for me at this point. Two two bigger bigger wins of the season, um, both coming at home though. So I need to see them pick up some, some some road wins for sure. Last question for the podcast, my man Duke fan again uh, coming in here saying, "Who are your early coach of the year contenders right now?" Very good question. Um, I, I'd like to see Kelvin Sampson win it. Um, I don't think he's won one yet. Actually, I'm not really sure. I don't quite remember who won it last year, but I definitely would consider Kelvin Sampson um, as a coach of the year contender. I think you got to consider Matt Painter there at Purdue as well with what he's done with his team so far. I think Matt Painter definitely deserves uh, some props. I think Mike Woodson at Indiana, definitely you could consider as a uh, coach of the year candidate at this point. Um, big wins against North Carolina and Xavier so far. And it looks like Indiana is living up to that hype. And, you know, he's back at his Almorada. Uh, all, Almorada, I, I can't pronounce it right now. I don't know why, but um, back where he played and went to school and, you know, looking to maybe bring this blue blood program, Indiana, back to, to being a top contender in college basketball. So I definitely think Mike Woodson, Matt Painter, and Kelvin Sampson are are guys to keep a look on. You could say Chris Beard. Um, Another one, Tony Bennett. Bounce back here for Virginia. Uh, I think Tony Bennett is always one of the best coaches in the country. So um, those are five guys that I would heavily consider for Coach of the Year candidates. So that is going to do it for episode one of the Danny Hoops podcast. I appreciate all you guys. Shout out to Gary, Duke fan for life, uh, and Jalen for for coming by here live and asking some questions to finish out this podcast. Like I said, we will be back at it again next Thursday and every Thursday uh, for this podcast at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure if you guys haven't already, hit that subscribe button and uh, hit that like button for me. So I know you guys have enjoyed it and you guys want to see more of it. Also, uh, follow me on Twitter at DannyOlogy1. Screw the guy who has the DannyOlogy name uh, because I have to put a one at the end of it, but definitely go follow me on Twitter there. And uh, I'm always tweeting a lot whenever there's a big game live or really every night I'm watching college basketball. I'm tweeting about the games. Also, you can ask me on Twitter to join my group chat. I have a college basketball uh, group chat, so you can definitely join that. I'll follow you back, and we can get you in the group chat. So that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys again for stopping by, 
And yeah, guys, I will see you guys in the next one.